We thank Anchor for making this podcast possible. For all your recording needs, go to Anchor with Spotify. Anchor has helped us record, do a recording studio where we can record even when we're separated, and a whole lot of more really, really cool things. Thank you for listening. but we're back. A lot of things have happened, um, including March Madness, Baylor defeating Gonzaga, um, free agency in the NFL has happened, the baseball season has started, the NHL tread deadline, and we'll cover, I think, all of that in this episode. So... um, Jared Kelnick, when he came back from his leg injury, played the rest of spring training, but near the end, we could tell that Taylor Trammell was going to get the job. Um, And he did. And now Jared Kelnick is back in the minors, which I do not think is a bad thing. I think it's a good thing for him to help him develop because when you look at the Mariners, and at least when I look at the Mariners, and I think a whole bunch of other people will agree with me when I say this, but Jared Kelnick, when you look into the future with the Mariners, he is the centerpiece of that, along with Kyle Lewis. And it's hard to imagine the Mariners without Jared Kelnick. And so we talked about this in the past where – We don't want him to do the same thing that Justin Smoke did. And not only that we don't want that to happen, I really don't think the Mariners can afford that to happen because he's such a big part of the future. Like what would happen if they, if he turned out to be a total, a total bust? I mean, I guess maybe it would be a good thing because Mitch Hanniger would get to stay around a little bit longer, but he's 30 years old and he's starting to get older and I'm not sure how much longer they'll want to keep him around. Um, but speaking of Mitch Hanniger, he has had a really, really good year so far. Um I know it's only been 11 games and there's still a lot of season to go, but he has an above 300 batting average. He hit two home runs today in the Mariners' second doubleheader of the season. And he's been a key part of all their wins so far. And Everybody keeps thinking about the possibility of trading him. And even I've thought about the possibility of trading Mitch Hanniger. But right now I can't, I can't imagine this Mariners team 
especially this year, even having a chance to get to the playoffs without him. Because especially with all our injuries, like Jake Fraley got hurt and they had to bring up Braden Bishop. So, and Kyle Lewis is still hurt and he'll be back soon, but I'm, I'm just glad he's back. And I give you an A plus for seeing this bounce back. Because with Tom Murphy, he was only gone for a year. Mitch Hanniger was gone for over a year and a half. And Tom Murphy has started off slow. He had to get his timing back. Mitch Hanniger was off to the races. Like, so good job on seeing that coming. Thank you. Thank you. Surprisingly, the most effective person on the Mariners actually hasn't been Mitch Hanniger. It has been Tommy John. Tommy John, the Tommy John surgery has affected many people on the Mariners, including um, James Paxton, also Rowena Elias, and Ken Giles, which all three are pitchers. And I hope to see, see all three of them back next year and better than ever. And We've actually, we actually have um, Marco Gonzalez. He had Tommy John surgery before he came to the Mariners. And he's actually better that now than he was before Tommy John surgery. So hopefully it's the same thing with um, everyone on the Mariners that has had, is or has had Tommy John surgery. Um, and so one pitcher that doesn't have Tommy John surgery is, um, Yusei Kikuchi and he, many people are thinking that he is going to have a breakout year because of his nasty curveball, his ability to command the strike zone. And I think that it might even be, that might be true because um, I've seen, I saw his first game and he struck out a lot of people and he was looking as sharp as ever. He, his curveball was on point. His fastball was faster than it has been. And he's back to his natural delivery and um, I think that's good for him because it's one consistency, one piece of consistency, and he needs that because his first two years haven't been consistent at all. His dad passed away. His long time, his idol forever, Ichiro, was on the same team as him and retired after the second game. And then we don't have to explain why last year was not consistent. <laughs> um, and some people even think he could be in the front runners for, um, for Cy Young and maybe not Cy Young, but 
I definitely do think that he'll be a bright spot in the Mariners' rotation. And hopefully um, be a guy that you can go out and rely on to keep the opponents from scoring a whole boatload of runs. So now we're heading into our next segment. It's called Grand Salami Time. It's a new segment, and it's where Andrew asks me four questions about baseball. And and those four questions represent the four runs that are scored in when a Grand Slam is hit. Take it away. Okay, so my first question is, um, which rookie on the Mariners this year has had the most impact? Well, I think there are two that have made a good impact. I'm going to do two because, well, one is a pitcher and one is an offensive player. So the first one is Will Vest. He's in the bullpen, and he's earned Scott Service's trust on um, with high pressure situations and like today he in the doubleheader in the second game he was put in um to hand it over to the closer and he did an amazing job with that and I think he has the potential to be a bright spot in what seems to be so far a pretty dull bullpen and hopefully more of these types of appearances to come but on the offensive and defensive side of things Taylor Trammell has also been really good he's hit the ball well he's been good on defense and he's been playing in center field while Kyle Lewis is out and you have to be a pretty good player to play in center field. And I think he will be effective for a pretty long time. Okay. Um, my second question is, who do you think the best rookie? Um, uh, hmm. Well, I don't really expect you to answer this perfectly because it's really early in the season. But who do you think uh, is the best rookie so far this season? Uh, in in any in any team, any team. Well, um, I didn't really think about that until now. Taylor Trammell has been doing good but like that's because I've been watching him a whole lot yeah um and um there are some other people who have been doing pretty good so far this season um Taylor Trammell just being one of them like um, German Mercedes, he's been really good for the White Sox. 
Um, he's like, we played the White Sox already this year, and he made a really big impact. And I think so far he's like the front runner to win the MVP. Um, yeah. And I mean, this is unfair, but Zach McKinstry of the Dodgers, I mean, when will they stop getting really, really good players? I mean, yeah. he's another good one. But I think Yerman Mercedes has really flourished. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so my third question. Hmm. So, in in the whole in the whole uh, Mariners history, who do you think uh, that's not playing right now? The retired ones. Who do you think was the best? And I mean the classics like Ichiro and yeah. Um, who do you think was the best? And if you can't answer that, who is your favorite? Yeah, okay, so <coughs> there, I can make a case for all three of Ken Griffey Jr., Ichiro, and Edgar Martinez. Um, Edgar Martinez, because he's one of the only DHs to make it into the baseball hall of fame and everyone respected him like everyone, but also he stayed with Seattle his whole career. And that's something neither each row or Griffey did. Um, I think Ken Griffey jr. Probably because he had the most talent. He was, really fast he could rob rob home runs and he could he could hit home runs as well um he's up there in the top 10 of big most home runs in MLB history and each row because he even though he doesn't hold the most hits in MLB history um, if you put together his hits in the in Japan and in the MLB, he has more hits than anyone. So I mean that speaks for itself. And he played for a long time, even though he didn't come over to Seattle in the MLB until late later in his career. But I guess my favorite, I, I think, I think choosing my favorite is harder than choosing the better one because they're, they're all so good. And I guess Edgar, cause I think he, he has like one of the better stories. He he ran away so he could play baseball. I mean, that shows how much he cared about the game of baseball. 
Mm -hmm. So, my third question, uh, sorry, my fourth question, in the Olympics, which teams do you think has the, um, has the better chance of winning? Um, well, um, I guess it's kind of like the National Baseball Classic that happens every couple of years, because those have some of the same players, and I think USA has a, a good chance of winning because, like, they have one of the biggest major league baseball leagues in the world. And they have so many players to choose from. But a lot of good players come from Japan, too. Mm -hmm. And I don't know a whole lot about Olympic baseball and the different teams but it seems like America and Japan are like the two biggest baseball places in the world, so. Okay. How about Colombia? Sorry, just a sub question. How about Colombia? Colombia has a culture of baseball. Baseball, they call it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of, um, good baseball players do come from that area. So I wouldn't count them out. I wouldn't, it's the Olympics. So don't count anybody out. They could be yeah. a really, they could look really bad on paper, but surprise you on the field, like the Mariners. They look pretty bad on paper, especially last year but they made a push for the playoffs. So you never know. Okay. I think that's the end of the segment. Yep. And now we head into the football section. Football. And um, right away, um, free agency started and, a whole bunch of people got signed. Leonard Fournette got signed back with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Chris Carson signed back with the Seahawks, which is a surprise, honestly, but yeah. I think it'll really help the team. Mm -hmm. Not saying that they don't, like, since he came back, oh, we fixed our running back problem. We don't need to go out and find another running back or draft one. But he will help our running back situation, definitely. Um, but we did lose some people. Shaquille Griffin, we lost him to the Jaguars. <coughs> and honestly, for the money he got paid with the Jaguars, um, I mean, we were never going to pay him that amount of money. So good for him that he got the money that he wanted. Um and sorry that you're going to the worst NFL team in the NFL. Yeah. Um, 
And Carlos Hyde joined him with going to the Jaguars. And that's why, that's part of the reason why we need to um, find another <laughs> running back. But also, that was also kind of a surprise because before free agency opened, a lot of people and myself included um, thought that Chris Carson was going to go elsewhere, but Carlos Hyde was going to stay with the Seahawks and we would fill the running back need elsewhere. But the exact opposite happened. Chris Carson stayed and Carlos Hyde went elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But we also made some moves on the de- the defensive side of the ball. We signed Akella Witherspoon and um, I think his name is Carrie Hyde or Carrie Hyder. I don't know. But he's supposed to be like some next Michael Bennett. Carrie Hyder, yeah. Um, and he was last year, the 49ers had a whole bunch of injuries, especially on the defensive side. And he filled in and had a breakout year. And he was really good. Um, and just today, the Seahawks signed Alden Smith. And um, so I think the Seahawks are going in the right direction on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. And like they're addressing the need to have a better defense and get that defensive line umped up. And, but what are they doing for the offensive line? They've really only done two things, really. They re-signed Ethan Posick and traded for Gabe Jackson, which I'm excited that Gabe Jackson is joining the team. And I think he'll do great for us in the long run. But I'm disappointed that we had to give up another draft pick for him. And so now we're only down to three draft picks. And with the draft coming up in two weeks, that makes John Schneider's job a lot harder. But, I mean, he's done it before. And I have no doubt that he'll do it again. And that makes sense because uh, Steve Carroll? Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll. Sorry, I feel like an idiot. He, he's more on the defensive side. He has more mm-hmm. He has more uh, experience on the defensive side. He's a defensive-minded coach. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's – I think that's why he's, he's focusing a lot on the defense more than the offense yep and also um I think it also kind of makes sense that they re-signed Chris Chris Carson because he he's a physical style running back and we talked about this when the Seahawks re-signed Alex Collins Pete Carroll and the Seahawks love physical runners but they also love physical defense Jamal Adams, Bobby Wagner, Alden Smith, 
everybody that he likes physical football and he also likes to compete and with a defense that was historically bad for the first part of the year and then got way better by the end he's bringing in people that can compete and make this defense better and I mean it even says it in his name the first the last part of compete is his name and so um that's clever and for the draft I have been working hard with finding people in the draft that could help with the offensive line but also finding good running backs that are Pete Carroll's tile, physical running backs. And I'll just share a few. And then I th- I think you have a few that you liked too, right? A few who? A few uh, draft prospects that you liked. Um, I don't really know anybody in college. I mean, okay. but I did want to okay. ask you a question. Feel like an idiot. It's that guy with long hair. He wears orange jersey. Clemson football. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, when where where do you think he's gonna go? Um, I think Trevor Lawrence is gonna go to Jacksonville. with the first round of the pick. Everybody thinks that. And honestly, I would rather that they – I would rather that Jacksonville surprise the world and pick, like, Zach Wilson or um, uh, Justin Fields just to surprise the world and be like, yeah, this is our quarterback and – Hmm. What would be even cooler is if it ha- if they did that right after if the Jets were to trade down from their number two pick and like right after that the Jaguars pick Justin Fields or Zach Wilson and they're like we could have had Trevor Lawrence because that would have been such a Jets move, like, to trade down something that big. But, so a few names on the offensive side. Um, I really like Jackson Carmen from Clemson. He helped protect Trevor Lawrence, and he's a good physical offensive lineman. I also like I agree. I saw um, I saw some of the games with them. Yeah. I don't I don't watch college football very often, so I like James Hudson from Cincinnati. He um he was a part of the perfect Cincinnati team that everyone thought that they should have made it to the um NCAA playoffs instead of Notre Dame. And he, in his description, um, he's, they say he's powerful and explosive. He 
he annihilates linebackers and works to finish his blocks. And I mean, when I'm reading that, I think like that's exactly what Pete Carroll wants. Um, also Creed Humphrey uh, for, um, he was, he's really, really, really good for Oklahoma. He's projected to be the first picked center. And in the mock draft site I use, he has moved up since I've started mock drafting, but he could be on the board when the Seahawks pick 56 in the draft. But also, I really like Liam Eichenberg, and I think that's more of a realistic pick for them when it gets down to 56. Even if they want to trade back, they still might have a chance of getting him. Um, he played for Notre Dame. Um, he, he picks up the blitz really well, and which is good because part of the problem with the Seahawks last year was not protecting Russell Wilson from the blitz. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a pretty good run blocker too. And if the Seahawks want to stay um, with a with a balanced offense, a person that can run block and pass block is perfect for them. But as we discussed earlier, they also really need some running backs. And there's the Mike, Michael Carter. He's a good physical running back from North Carolina. And then his teammate also from North Carolina, Javante Williams. They're projected to be picked right around when the Seahawks pick. So if they're still on the board, it would be pretty hard to pass them up. But a late round steal that I think will kind of be like a Chris Carson for multiple reasons. One, because Chris Carson was drafted in the seventh round. He, the guy I'm about to tell you about is projected to be picked in the seventh round and they have the same first name, Chris. The running back I'm talking about is Chris Evans from Michigan. Um, He, He's a great ball carrier, and he wants to hit defenders. He won't go down without a fight. But he's relatively slow, but not, like, super slow. So you won't, you won't want him for perimeter, perimeter running. You want him for blasting up the middle. Mm-hmm. But the downside to him, that was he was sidelined in 2019, with an injury and then opted out of last year. And he was, and right before his injury, he wasn't great. Um, And so I think he has the potential to be a late round pick that will turn into a gem for the Seahawks. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just real quick, cornerbacks, um, Keith Taylor from Washington, he's a good, he's good in zone coverage and he's a hard hitter along with Cameron, Cameron Bynum 
in California. Um, he's tough and instinctive. He kind of reminds me of Richard Sherman. Um, and then there's another guy that reminds me of Richard Sherman. Um, that's kind of like a third round pick. Zach McPherson um, from Texas Tech. He his um his draft profile is kind of like what Richard Sherman's was, except I think with less of an attitude. Mm-hmm. And I think it'll be like any of these guys in the binder that I have would all be great players for the Seahawks maybe if not this year but also to fill the gap that's definitely there Mm -hmm. um moving on to hockey well we have to do the real big news first so we kind of avoided this topic the last couple of weeks, but the Seahawks cut Carlos Dunlap a few weeks ago, and like um, I think it was the week before our last, our most recent podcast, uh-huh. and then on the evening of March 25th the new there was news that the Seahawks will release Jaron Reed on March 26th at one o'clock and for people that saw that news they were probably like okay there's either something really big coming or the Seahawks have lost their minds. Mm-hmm. And it was that something really big was coming. The Seahawks re-signed Carlos Dumlap the morning of really March 26th. Yes. That is weird. But the really really good thing about it is that he is one a really spectacular player who made such a big impact for the Seahawks last year but they signed him for like two-thirds less money than they than what was on his contract previously Mm -hmm. well that's weird that's impressive one by the Seahawks to their John, Sn- John Schneider has done a really, really, really good job this year of milking out Cap's pace. He he did a similar thing except without the releasing <laughs> part. The Seahawks re-signed Tyler Lockett to a big extension. He was he was still under contract, but they extended his contract mm-hmm. and milked out some more cap space and which ended up leading to today the Seahawks signing Kerry Hyder. And the fact that we can 
get such a good player for multiple years on less money than he was owed before says two things to me. One, it says that they really like that player and they want to bring him back. But also that Carlos Dunlap likes Seattle. Mm -hmm. There aren't very many people that would take, take a cut just to, so that they could spend his money elsewhere. Yeah. And that says something about the organization and the environment that Pete Carroll makes in the locker room. Yeah. He's not very negative. He's very positive. Always. And very friendly. Very friendly, yeah. You you should if you guys get the chance, you should look up one of his press conferences. He's <laughs> really positive. Sometimes overly positive, but still positive. But it's better than Richard Sherman blabbing his mouth about how Russell exactly. sucks. Exactly. And now for hockey. Um, on Monday, the trade deadline passed, and there were a few big trades that happened. Yeah. Um, right now, all I know about is um, there was a big trade with the Avalanche and – a big trade with the Kings. The Avalanche traded um, a defenseman I've never really heard of for a star goalie, uh, Devin Dubnik from uh, <clears throat> from Minnesota, which was really confusing because Devin New uh, Dubnik he's been he's been carrying Minnesota all the way to almost playoffs now. And then they just trade him for someone who doesn't really matter. Wasn't a team that you were thinking that should rebuild? Huh? Last week when you were, we were talking about, well, last podcast, we were talking about teams that, should rebuild weren't they a team that you were thinking should rebuild maybe this is just the first They've step been rebuilding it uh i don't know i don't remember saying that because they have been rebuilding um mm. they've been doing much better yeah. um the only thing i can think of of why they would do it is draft picks because to a rebuilding team and you said it before that younger is always better in hockey so they see a young player that they want and Colorado Colorado had the pick right around where he would be selected and they're like yeah let's go get him while getting this guy as well Mm. I see what you mean and then there was also a Jeff Carter trade with the Kings. He- yes, so the um so they traded uh Jeff Carter I think for just some um I think they were just draft picks, but I'm not sure. 
Um, and, uh, it, I, I kind of saw it coming, but, well, okay, I didn't see it coming. I thought he would retire with the Kings. I didn't think he would get traded. And I thought he had a few more years in his contract. So that kind of confused me. Um, well, you also said, um, on our first episode that he might be a contender for the, uh, the Kraken to get in the expansion draft. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, the Kings have really dropped off as of late. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Do you, do you, do you know why? Like, is there any reason in particular? I don't know. I think, well, they have a lot of old players, so maybe they're just getting old. I mean, maybe they're just getting tired. Maybe they're they're not working as hard. That that doesn't sound right. They always work as hard as they can. It doesn't matter if it's a pregame or not. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know at all. Um. Yeah, they were like really good, and now they have half a, half as many wins as the Avalanche do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're on top of the division, so. Yep. And okay, so uh, there was one more one more uh, trade I wanted to talk about. Um, have you heard of Taylor Hall? Okay, well, no. Taylor Hall, he's a, a a really good hockey player. He he's been bouncing around like crazy. We uh, at one point we thought the Kings were gonna get it, and then we thought the Avalanche were gonna get it, and then the rumors were going everywhere. And then somehow he went to he went to this the Sabers without me even knowing. And then and now the Boston Bruins traded. Uh, I mean, sorry, the, the Sabres traded Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar. I've never heard of him. And they got Anders Bjork. I don't know who he is either. And a second round pick. So, yeah, just an, another bounce from Taylor Hall, I guess. Um, um It's like... Tread deadline can anything can happen. Like Wayne Gretzky got traded to the Kings on the trade deadline. Yeah. And no one saw that coming. Mm-hmm. It's time for the power play. There it is. Time for power play. We are going to change power play up a little bit. So since Grand Salami time is for um is three four questions for the four runs that are scored, um we decided to do power play with how many minutes? So we have decided that there will be three categories. 
The first is a two minute minor where I ask Andrew two questions. The second is a four minute major. And then the third where I ask Andrew four questions. And the third is a double four minute major where I ask Andrew questions for eight minutes straight. And once again, he is literally forced to answer. You will answer the questions. All right, so you're doing a four minute major. Okay. So question one. So it's been stirring around that the Avalanche need a backup goalie. And I think you've already answered this question pretty much. But do you think that the Avalanche have for, fulfilled their need with a backup goalie? Um, which backup goalie? Um, well, th- they recently traded for two. And there were talks that he, that Grubauer needed someone to exchange him. Even you said it, like, he's a break. Do you think they fulfilled that? Definitely, definitely. The Dubnik trade definitely helped a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Question two. Um, What was the biggest surprise move in the NHL for this year's trade deadline? Well, uh, well, I looked at the trade tractor, uh, tractor, <laughs> tracker, um, when we were talking about that, and uh, I, 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 I saw a lot of uh, small names, lots of small names. Um, yeah, not much, not much at all. So, but there was only three big names. Uh, we already talked about them. Uh, mm-hmm. which one would be more surprising? Uh, probably the Carter trade. Well, actually, no, 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 no. The Dubnik trade. Definitely the Dubnik trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was thinking you would say, especially since the Carter trade, like, he's been bouncing ra- around and stuff. Mm-hmm. Question three. What do you think has been the biggest key for the Avalanche getting on top of the Golden Knights and sticking there for a while now. Hmm? What do you think has been the biggest key for the Avalanche um, getting into first place? I have no idea. It, it just looks like they click. They click. They 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 blew out everybody. So the last one, four to three, four to two. Four to one, two to zero, 
five to four, two to one, three to two, nine to three, five to two, five to one. Their average goal per game is 3.58, which is really good. It's just mm-hmm. crazy. It's like they clicked. I don't see what really happened. It's just they're doing the right things at the right time. I'm going to swap out my question, my previous question four for this one. So question four. Do you think that actually do you wish that they had clicked earlier in the season or are you happy that they clicked now just in time for the playoffs Mm, there are some benefits from doing it later and there's some benefits from doing it earlier if you did it earlier then chances are you'll have a better record but also later uh, they they probably won't lose stamina that bad, like the, like uh, I think the Kings did. Mm. Yeah, they were click. <coughs> they were clicking, I guess, as much as mm-hmm. they can click, and then they lost stamina. So that's the end of power play. And maybe next time you'll get to listen to me ask Andrew questions for eight straight minutes. But now we're heading on to Are You a Good Sport? Where we take turns asking each other five questions. Andrew, you ask your questions first. My first question, who had the hardest shot in the NHL? Ever. Like hardest average no, hardest shot, shot or hardest the shot. hardest. Okay. <clears throat> so there's part of me that wants to say Wayne Gretzky because of his massive number of goals, but. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I've got, I've, I have the answer. I don't care if I'm going to lose points for this. I know it's wrong, but I think I should get at least half a point for this answer. Fulton Reed in the Mighty Ducks. What on earth? I said in the NHL. <laughs> we don't know if we ma- he made it to the NHL. I mean, it was in a movie, I guess. Uh, I'll give you a quarter of a point. I would you Okay, I'll settle for a quarter. I'll settle for a quarter of a point. Now, I just found this out. So, uh, I've known for years that it was Zendo Chara from the... Uh, from the uh, Boston Bruins, 
But then I saw this video, just it just caught my eye. It was a Kings player that it, I've heard of, but a lot of people haven't. It, it, his last name is literally three letters, F-R-K, Ferk. Um, and he, he actually got the hardest shot, 109.2 her, uh, miles per hour. The previous record was 108.8. And it still says on Google that Zendochara has the uh bigger that uh, has the hardest shot. So <laughs> answer is first. Mm. That's interesting. So did Ferk's shot rip the net? Uh, no, but if you have, even if uh, even when it was uh even when it was uh not very fast. It was it was a uh, week of bigger net. holes than it was supposed to, and uh, a weak net. Hit the huh? pot. Hit the right. Hit spot. the right spot. Yeah. All right. So I have a quarter of a point. Yeah. I guess that works. Okay. Um. <clears throat> not sure I want to ask this because you probably know it. Uh, who is the fastest person in the NFL ever? Oh, I just looked him up the other day. Wait, the fastest forty-yard dash in the know. NFL, I just or up who is the fastest like the fastest person in the NFL? Oh. oh, um, then I'm gonna guess. There's two people that I'm thinking of, because I looked that I lo I also looked this one up the other day, just out of curiosity because I was bored. Um, but two names that I saw. Now, I can't remember which name came up first, but I saw Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders, but I'm going to say Deion Sanders. Uh, Raheem Mostert. That's what, what it says here. Um, let me see here. Let me look deeper into this website. So it is 40-yard dash. Yeah, so the fastest time. Oh, okay. So this is not, um, this was not 40-yard dashes. This was, uh, this was measuring their tops, uh, their, their speed, uh, in their big, um, their big touchdowns and their fat. The fastest speed yeah. during a touchdown was Rahe Mostert. Yeah, of 23.09. I was thinking 40-yard yeah. dash time because Bo Jackson claims he has the fastest. And then a whole bunch of people claim that, like, Deion Sanders <laughs> – Ran his 40-yard dash in cowboy boots. 
while wearing a parachute and he got like a three three nine <laughs> three or something now i it yeah all right next question quarter of a point okay so what was the first football league yeah the first football league the American yeah. Football League. You were thinking you were going to trick me on that. Okay, who won the Stanley Cup in 2014? 2014. Okay. So, let's think. Let's think, let's think, let's think. Um... I don't know who won last year. The Blues, 2019. I think it was the Capitals in 18. I know the Penguins won, like, in 16 and <coughs> 17. Um... I'm going to say the Boston Bruins. The LA Kings. No, I was thinking, I was thinking that, but I thought the Kings have been bad for They they were unstoppable in the uh, 2010-2015 era. And then they just went, yeah. Straight down. All the players got old and then they. <clears throat> All right. Last question for me. Uh, I already gave you. No, that that was the we fourth. Do five. We do five. No, we do four. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, so here's my question. My last question. What year was ESPN established? Oh, this one's a hard one. <laughs> oh. No. I'm sorry. All right, let's think. I am going to use my common knowledge of sports movies to try to math this out and get a rough estimate, hopefully. So, um, the blind side had ESPN. Um, the, I know the Mighty Ducks isn't based on a real series, on a real thing, but they did a documentary, a fan fiction documentary with ESPN. Mighty Ducks was the 1980s. 
So let's see. <coughs> um, I am going to say nineteen sixty seven. No. 1979. Oh, I was so close. I was in the right ballpark. Yeah, sorry. That was a hard one. Shouldn't have done that one. Oh, All right. Too bad. Um, What's your question? All right. Now it's time for my five questions. You have to be one and a quarter. <laughs> I could do that. All right, so did Philip Rivers retire? I feel like you're trying to trick me here. I want to say yes, but I want to say no. I said I want answer? to. Um. Gonna say no. Final answer? Yes. He did retire this offseason. You were double faking me. <laughs> okay. Smart move. What's the next question? <laughs> How many times did Ichiro retire? Uh, twice. That's what I thought. Yes. One point. Okay, so one. Has Seattle ever won the Stanley Cup? I see what you're doing. Yes, they have, actually. Like 1901-ish. Yeah, I think it was 1918, I think. Seattle Metropolitans won the Seattle Stanley Cup. Um, they won nineteen seventeen. Oh, they were the first American Stanley Cup champions. The Montreal Canadiens won it before them. Both years. Well, you yeah, won. Let's, let's so, do you want to? Okay. Uh, so that was question three. All right. So two more. Two more. Um, how many times have the Seattle Seahawks made it to the Super made Bowl? Made it or won it? Okay, so. So I remember they lost against the Steelers. 
They lost against the Patriots, and then they won against the uh the the Broncos, and then I think they won one more. So I'm gonna guess fourth. Wrong. Three times. Okay. Oh, so close. Okay, last one. Wait, is it the last one? No. I would. Okay, yeah. This is the last question. I was thinking you were going to get it as soon as you said know, they lost against they the Steelers. One more. <laughs> no. Uh, How many times have the Mariners made it to the World Series? That was pretty easy. Yeah, that was an easy one. Oh, man, this was fun. My favorite. All right, so you won this week. So next week, you get to you get to decide if you want to go first or second. Well, next episode. But until then, we're we're signing off. And we thank Anchor for making the podcast possible. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.